Hello, everyone, and thanks so much for tuning into the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. This is Jacob Emerson, Associate News Director in the Becker's Newsroom. Thrilled today to be joined by a very special guest who is not just a leader within the health insurance industry, but one of the most influential people in healthcare today. Brian Penning is here with us. If you don't know, he was elected late last year to serve as chair of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association's Board of Directors. He's also president and CEO of CareFirst Blue Cross Blue Shield, which serves three and a half million members across Maryland, Washington, D.C., and Northern Virginia. So, Brian, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Thanks so much, Jacob. It's uh, exciting to be here today and appreciate you making the time for me. Yeah, absolutely. Let's let's dive right in, Brian, on a topic that we hear about so often in our conversations with health plan executives. I'd even say daily we hear about this social determinants of health and how health plans all over the country are are looking to move health equity forward and address some of these determinants that we know impact um, health outcomes so heavily. And so as someone who is is now overseeing or influencing healthcare for one in three Americans as board chair at the BCBS Association. Talk to us a little bit about how you're addressing social determinants, not just regionally at CareFirst, but what you're taking from the Mid-Atlantic and bringing to the national level. Yeah, Jacob, I always appreciate this question. And and I always have to start uh, really with the the framing. And and I would say I take exception with the D in SDOH. I I don't see this as determinants. Uh, That feels like it's got a sense of permanency. Uh, It it feels like something that, that absolutely is going to happen. And, and I would say our mindset around that, I, I think both as a society, but specifically as, as an industry, really needs to shift. Uh, th- these things are known, they're measurable, and, and they are most certainly actionable. And, and I think it's important for us to, to make that connection with people who participate in the healthcare system. And what we're really talking about here are social environmental circumstances. Uh, and, and what that means is really the community. It's the places where we're born, where we're raised, the places where we live and and take care of people in our lives. And it's all of those factors and forces that that exist around us that that affect our health. And and people might be wondering, well, how much of our health? You know, what's that impact look like? 80%, 80% of my health, your health, Jacob, our audience's health is informed by the social environmental circumstances. And that's not just current state. That is the health trajectory that is into the future uh, in, in terms of our needs, our quality of life. And, and so I really think we've got to shift the narrative uh, that, that those things are not intractable. They're not immovable. Uh, they're things that, that we have an opportunity, I think, to think differently about from an investment perspective. And that's really been what has shaped our mindset. How do we bring action to this? How do we bring this uh, to a more thoughtful conversation? And, and I think a higher level of participation, uh, both locally here in Maryland, D.C. and Northern Virginia, uh, but also across the country. And, and I would say one of the things that, that attracted me to Care First, and one of the things that has attracted me to Blue Cross Blue Shield nationally, uh, is really the, the impact that we have an opportunity to have in local communities, because we are a part of every local community in the country. Uh, we're the only collection of companies in the healthcare uh, system nationally, 
uh, that serves every single county. So yes, one in three Americans, but also part of the fabric, the physical space uh, that exists around people in every community across the country. That's certainly true of us here at Care First, and, and that is most true uh, for us as a, as a system. And, and so it's an incredibly powerful thing to be a part of, but it's also an amazing responsibility. And, and so as we think about that at, at Care First, uh, we're, we're doing several things, but I'll highlight two for, for you today that, that I think are really notable because it's taking us way upstream uh, in, into the root cause of what impacts health and health trajectory. Uh, and actually, uh, coincidentally, I, I spent my morning in the West Baltimore community uh, welcoming our second cohort in our West Baltimore Workforce Development Program. And this is really an outgrowth of a conversation that we started with community. And originally, uh, Care First was looking to make investments in a historically underserved and disinvested part of Baltimore. And when we went to community and we started to talk about all of the things that some of our really smart and talented and creative people had come up with, what we found is that the community wanted most of all career opportunities, career paths. Uh, they wanted the ability more consistently to participate in our economy and to think about how wealth building uh, could impact not just their lives personally, but also collectively within the context of, of the community. And, and that sent us back uh, to the drawing board. And over about a two-year period, uh, we built out a plan uh, in partnership with other organizations uh, to develop a workforce development program that was delivered and launched last year. Uh, we graduated 100% of our first cohort, and we did that uh, in partnership with local organizations like Center for Urban Families, in partnership with Coppin State University, another anchor institution in the community, and ensuring that support and services were readily accessible to 100% of the cohort participants. And, and in programs like this, it's not uncommon to see 20, 30% of the cohort have to drop out, and mostly because they're running into barriers uh, of everyday life and impacts and challenges that some of us have support uh, for and, and others may not have support for. Uh, but this program is really designed around not just the experience, but really a goal and objective that 100% of the people that enter the program would graduate from the program and continue to be employed. And so I'm excited. Uh, we've got 100% employment for our first cohort. Uh, we just launched our second cohort and we are en route to expanding this at scale to about 100 employees on each of these roles, each of these career paths uh, will be dedicated to and designated for the West Baltimore community. I think that's a great example of where we have an opportunity to leverage not just philanthropy and volunteerism, but really corporate infrastructure to impact and change the trajectory of community. Uh, the other thing I would highlight, Jacob, is, is that uh, partnership and collaboration is absolutely essential. And I like to say all, all the time that if you want to be with community, you have to be in community. And in, in order to do that effectively, uh, you really have to increase the amount of surface contact between a company uh, and the people that you serve. And, and that's true of the folks that you employ. Uh, it's also true of every single person that's a member of this organization. Uh, but it's also true of our partners in government, the public sector. Uh, and this relationship that exists in public-private partnership is one that I think we desperately have to invest in more consistently. And, and so uh, we partnered with the Bowser administration in D.C., uh, as well as uh, the Greater Washington Community Foundation to launch a $95 million health equity fund that is directed toward 
uh, systemic long-term impact, right? So we're talking generational opportunities, generational investments that can produce a generational return. Now, this is an unprecedented amount of money that's being directed toward those types of investments. Uh, we're through a few rounds at this point of funding grants that have been approved. And we have engaged outside organizations to study not just the near-term impact, but the long-term effects of community. And so these are just two examples, Jacob, and, and two that I'm really passionate about. Uh, but I'm proud to say that when you look at the system of Blue Cross Blue Shield across the country, these are just two of many. And uh, they're each tailored to the reality of community circumstances. They're each tailored to the reality of the locale, the physical space, the place, uh, the people that, that each of those companies serves. And, and I think that's what makes it most impactful. I mean, so much to follow up with you on there, Brian, but thank you for taking us through the, the Workforce Development Program in Baltimore and the DC Health Equity Fund. Clearly some, some incredibly impactful work happening from Care First on the ground in your communities in the Mid-Atlantic. How do you see these initiatives being scaled or, or adapted to benefit a broader national audience now that you're with the association? Any, any lessons you would bring from these programs to, to the federal level? Yeah, yeah. I, I would say a couple of things. I think first is uh, we have to be really discerning when we when we have this conversation about uh, making local investments and the degree to which those local investments can and should be scaled. Uh, one of the challenges I think we've had in healthcare generally is ubiquity. We try to roll out big programs uh, that are scalable. Right. And then we try to ensure that those programs reach the reality of individual lives. And I would say sometimes you can do that. And, and sometimes that's incredibly effective. And, and uh, technology is a huge enabler to make that possible. Uh, but sometimes you've actually got to tune into adjust for uh, and meet people where they are and really carefully consider uh, the life that you're trying to affect, the way that you're trying to affect it and the circumstances in which that life exists. And, and so I think discernment is a critical part of the question that, that you're asking. I do think that there are many transferable lessons. Well, what are some of those lessons? Uh, we recognize that there's an inextricable link between physical infrastructure and opportunity and the reality of healthcare outcomes. And, and so we should be thinking about healthcare as jobs. We should be thinking about healthcare as education. We should be thinking about healthcare as transportation infrastructure. We should be thinking about healthcare as housing and food security. All of these component pieces that influence and impact human condition. And I think that's a learning that is universal as we consider differently how we address issues of health at root cause in a far more systemically compelling way. Yeah. And Brian, you just mentioned so many of those components um, that really at the end of the day stem from regional community, from, from communities, from regional businesses. Um, they all play a part in supporting public health and, and the health of your members and of all health plan members. Um, so I think the, the next natural question to ask you is how do you take uh, what's going on with some of these initiatives like Care First on the ground, and how do you get those into play with local and national policies to, to really facilitate uh, some of these initiatives that, that Care First is doing, but for, for a broader population all over the country? Yeah, I, I think one of the most important things we can do is uh, leverage uh, what we learn. And in an honest way, really assess 
the causal relationship between what we've invested and how we've invested it um, and the impact and outcomes that, that are produced. And, and I think that level of rigor and, and real consideration for the data that we collect uh, and how we measure and manage programs like this um, is critically important uh, to helping inform uh, other programs and the degree to which those programs can be grown and, and scaled or potentially applied in same or similar circumstances. And, and so I think we have to enter into this work with the same kind of discipline, frankly, that we apply to the core of our business. And, and I don't always see that. Uh, when we think of these things as philanthropy, when we think of these things as charity, um, oftentimes uh, we don't approach them with the same kind of planning intentionality and rigor in terms of execution. And so one of the things that, that we've really been deliberate about is ensuring that we invest and we execute uh, at a level that's consistent with how we run the core of the organization. And I think that's a critical part then of taking uh, the work that we do, the things that we try, and bringing it to policymakers and, and helping to participate honestly and actively in conversations in, about what we can and how we can adjust policy uh, for broader and more compelling impact. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'd be I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you a little bit more about what you've got your eye on right now in terms of healthcare trends um, for 2024 and, and what you are anticipating will most significantly impact the future uh, of not just Blue Cross members all over the country, but but the future of healthcare in in the U.S. Um, what's what's keeping you up at night? What's top of mind? Um, what should everyone listening, all the health plan leaders listening? Uh, also be paying attention to right now? Yeah, I, I think we're all in the middle of this balancing act. Uh, we are responsible for this deeply personal thing. When, when we intersect with somebody's life, uh, they're potentially at their most emotionally vulnerable, physically vulnerable, financially vulnerable, and we can never lose sight of that. And, and I think that's got to be in clear focus. At the opposite end of the spectrum, I think we have to be really attuned uh, and intentional about how important this is to the broader economic reality of this country. So we as an industry represent 18.3% of United States GDP. The amount of money this country spends on healthcare is actually larger than most countries' economies. And we have to really consider that if we've got that clear focus on the people that we're responsible for, that personal focus uh, in mind, are we delivering to them what they need and deserve uh, adequately, uh, appropriately? Is it sustainable into the future? And how do we balance those considerations? And, and right now, I would say the United States has an opportunity and the system has an opportunity to more effectively balance, to rebalance um, those commitments and, and how we think about uh, deployment of resources and, and the structures that exist in healthcare in the United States. And, and this challenge um, is only going to get more significant over time. And, and so there's a few trends, Jacob, that I think all of us as healthcare leaders are tuned into, should continue to tune into. One is the United States is an aging population. Uh, that trend is not going to reverse in the time that we're going to be committing ourselves uh, to this work. And as the population in this country ages, it increases the downward pressure, not just on healthcare infrastructure that is already strained. Uh, it is going to increase the downward pressure on the United States economy. And questions of access and affordability will become more challenging to address, uh, not easier to address if we don't innovate, if we don't invest, if we don't reconsider um, our current structure. Um, health equity, I think, absolutely has to be core. 
uh, to every conversation that we're having. Uh, the data is indisputable. We have an inequitable healthcare system today. We have for quite some time. I think the pandemic has helped to thoughtfully illuminate that reality. And I think more people are tuning into the facts as well as the consequences. And I think I'm optimistic that more people are contributing to an expectation that we actually address those root cause issues to deliver a more equitable healthcare outcome and experience to each person that participates in the system. Pharmacy costs are out of control, and they are on a trajectory that desperately needs to be addressed. Uh, the only way to do that effectively is to really thoughtfully consider both from a public policy perspective as well as private sector interventions to ensure that we absolutely can deliver uh, life-improving, life-altering uh, medications and pharmaceutical solutions to people, but do it in a way that is sustainable economically. And right now, I would say we are hard-pressed uh, to call, call what we are seeing uh, in pharmacy economics anywhere near sustainable. And that's something that we're going to have to continue to grapple with. And then I think the last thing I would say, Jacob, is, is this dichotomy that is emerging technology. Uh, it is absolutely going to be critical that we are capable of thoughtfully leveraging technological advancements to address not just quality and outcomes in healthcare, but also efficiencies in our ability to deliver that care at a price that each of us individually and all of us collectively can afford, uh, but with an eye toward responsible use. And I would say uh, we really need to be careful that we don't take the shortcomings of healthcare and codify them into technological solutions that then can be delivered at faster pace and with broader application. And so we've got an incredible responsibility to ensure the benefits of technology and use of technology in the industry. I think at this moment in time, even more so than, than many in the past, uh, but with that is uh, I think an eye toward and, and I think a degree of humility uh, about ensuring that we don't allow for unintended consequences to be realized. And so it sounds like with all these challenges that we know exist, that, that the industry is facing around an aging population with health equity efforts, skyrocketing drug costs, and rapidly evolving technological advancements, Brian, it sounds like, though, you are very hopeful that the industry is capable of addressing these. Yeah, I, I'm incredibly optimistic, Jacob, and, and I would say uh, I'm optimistic uh, not because I want it to believe that that it that it's going to be true, that it can be true, that it should be true, uh, but I think the the ability to make it true is within our reach, and and more so today than, than in most periods of healthcare historically. And for all of the challenges that, that we face, there are many things that I think we've been able to deliver in this healthcare system that have contributed to a vastly improved quality of life as compared to 50 years ago, as compared to 100 years ago. We've got an inflection point here uh, where it's important that we choose the right paths, that we lean in to the future that we want uh, to see come to fruition. Uh, but, but I believe that increasingly leaders in healthcare across the entire sector are focused in that direction, coming to terms with historical challenges uh, and, and really asking ourselves, how do we contribute to that future more effectively? Brian, before we go, any final thoughts, any final pieces of advice you would like to offer to all your health plan colleagues listening across the country? 
uh, I would say more than anything, Jacob, gratitude uh, that you created the space today to, to have this conversation and just encouragement. Uh, it, it can feel daunting at times with, with the number of things that we're confronting in healthcare, uh, but in the midst of that is, is incredible opportunity. And, and I would just continue to encourage leaders to lean in, lean in with an open mind, lean in with a degree of humility, lean in with a willingness to collaborate. Uh, and if we do that and we do that consistently, I think that the, the path forward uh, will be there. Fantastic. Brian Penning, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. We truly appreciate it, and we appreciate you sharing your expertise with us. Thank you, Jacob. If you'd like more podcasts from Becker's Healthcare, you can visit beckershospitalreview.com slash podcasts. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks, to help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way, Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC. It's your trusted Becker's Healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there. Mm-hmm.